Good morning. Another beautiful week, another beautiful morning to gather and worship our Lord. For those who don't know me, my name is Pastor Annika, and I'm on staff here, and we're so glad that you are joining us this morning. Before we begin, just a quick announcement, a few quick announcements, actually. Out in the fellowship hall today, there are a number of things for your attention. Uh, Fairwoods is passing out their membership packets for the year, so if you'd like to enjoy uh, the beautiful grounds that is Fairwoods this summer, please stop by and, and grab a packet and pick that up. The deacons have their Christian ed tuition assistance forms in the fellowship hall today as well. For any families that need a little bit of help sending their students to a Christian school, that is available to you. And finally, our college student table is back. This year, we're going to be sending out our college care packs just a little bit early because there have been a lot of schools that have not had spring break and are trying to get done a little early um, because of the virus. So uh, we're, we're going to send those out a little early. So if you could take a few moments and write a note to a college student, the students always tell us that that is their favorite part of receiving those care packs is hearing from you and your encouragement. In addition, if you are a parent or a grandparent of any of those students, if you could make a few notes on that paper and let us know where your student is. A lot of the colleges are in session and students are on campus, but there are also a few where students are home or will be home even earlier than we expected. So if you could help us out in letting us know how to get that package to your student, we would appreciate that. Finally today, if we were still passing offering plates, we would be collecting a second offering for our GEMS program. Um, so just wanted to give you a reminder about that. Again, all offerings can go in the offering box outside the doors. To quiet our hearts. And now as God calls us to worship today, do rise, embody your spirit, and join me in this prayer. Merciful God, on this day we remember the woman who waited at Jesus' tomb, the fearful disciples who gathered again in the upper room, the despondent pilgrims on their journey to Emmaus. Who among them? Could have imagined all that would take place. We pray with urgency and expectation for all those among us and around us who live every day in fear and despondency without tasting and seeing the joy of resurrection life in Christ. As we wait, may your spirit be on the move. May many, those we love, those we have never met, be surprised by joy in this Easter season. Through the power of the resurrected Christ, we pray. Amen.
I'll stand. But so often we try and rely on our own two feet. Go ahead, friends, take a look at those feet right now. Look down. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. My friends, take a seat. And as we're sitting, let's confess before our God. In 1 John 2, we're reminded that my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have raised Jesus from the grave and crowned him Lord of all. We confess that we have not bowed before him or acknowledged his rule in our lives. We have gone along with the way of the world and failed to give him the glory. Forgive us and raise us from sin that we may be your faithful people, obeying the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ, who rules the world and is head of the church, his body. Amen. Take a moment in the quiet of your own heart. Talk to Jesus about what your week was like and where you want to get better. Hear these words of encouragement. From Ephesians 2. God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. 
and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. With this, we're able to say, the peace of Christ be with you. We're going to stand and sing again. We're going to sing Blessed Assurance, and the words will be on the screen. However, this is the old hymn version. So if you like to join in and sing some uh, harmonies, this is found on page 490 of your Psalter hymnal in your pew if you would like to join in that way. here at Pleasant Street Church, and it is my privilege to bring us in prayer this morning before the Lord. So I ask that you would please bow your heads and join me. Dear Heavenly Father, blessed assurance, yes, Lord, Jesus is ours, and through him we are yours. We are so grateful for the assurance we have of life forever with you. Thank you, Jesus that you were obedient to your Father and were willing to pay a debt you did not owe to redeem us, a people so undeserving and often ungrateful. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your nudging in our hearts and for your constant presence in our lives. Father, we are grateful for our Pleasant Street family, those with us here in this room, those who are joining us online, and those who wish they could be here but due to illness, age, or other reason, are not able to be. 
We give you thanks for your healing mercies for members of our families who have been ill or hospitalized. Thank you that Babe and Cindy are on the road to full recovery after recent bouts with COVID. We pray for Matt and Julie's daughter, Carrie, who will be undergoing surgery for a brain tumor next week. We ask, Lord, that you would guide the surgeon's hands and be with all of the medical staff as they treat her. We pray also for Julie as she travels to California to be with Carrie during this time. Father, COVID has restricted so many from being with and near family members during times when they've needed support or have cause to celebrate. We ask that you would show your power to stop the spread of this virus and grant us discernment to know your will as we seek safe ways to once again be together and close with one another. We thank you that Stu is recovering from hip surgery and pray that physical therapy will bring him to full restoration. We also pray for Stu and Deb and their family as they mourn the loss of Stu's sister, Catherine. Again, we thank you for the promise of eternal life with you, and we look forward to one day being reunited with those who have gone on before us. We also pray today, Lord, for Kate's stepdad, Bobby, who is experiencing AFib right now. We ask that you would protect him and provide peace for Kate and her family. We give you thanks today, Lord, for Brandis, for her participation in the life of our church and her contributions as a member of our praise and worship team. We pray that you will go with and bless her as she moves to Florida. We ask that you lead her to a new church family with whom she can share her gifts and talents. Lord, we cry out to you today on behalf of our nation. For the families whose lives have been shattered over the past few weeks as the result of gun violence, the value of human life seems sometimes tragically and so easily taken for granted. Father, we pray not only for the families of those whose lives have been taken in individual and mass situations, but also for those who felt that these actions were justified or their only option. We pray also for their families who are left to live with the shame of their family members' actions. For the thousands of children and individuals who are risking their own lives and the lives of others to cross at any expense into the United States, Lord, we pray for wisdom for each of our leaders as they make decisions about what has become a humanitarian crisis in our country. Help us not to overlook those right here in our own neighborhoods and towns who are marginalized and live without some of their most basic needs being met. Help us to discern how to be your hands and feet to those in need and to see one another as individuals formed in your image. Father, we thank you for our brothers and sisters at Fairlawn CRC who are worshiping this morning with Pastor Matthew. And we also thank you for Pastor Joel who has come to bring your word to us. What a blessing it is for us to know that worship in the Blackstone Valley extends beyond the walls of our own building and that we are part of a family your family, that is so much larger than anything we could ever imagine. Father, as we continue to celebrate the resurrection of your Son during this Eastertide season, help us to live lives filled with gratitude and awe. Awaken our hearts as you did the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and create in us a desire to spread the good news of your indescribable love and gift of salvation. Father, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts and minds to be open to all that you have in store for us. In the name of our risen Lord and Savior, to whom be all glory and honor. Amen. Good morning. May the peace be with you. I'm so sorry, my brother couldn't make it today, so I'll be replacing him, so pray for me. <laughs> Um, today, I will be reading the passage, Luke 24, 13 to 35. On the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked, what are you discussing together as you walk along? 
They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all of the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all these prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Victoria, for reading that scripture for us. And thank you to you, brothers and sisters at Pleasant Street, for the opportunity to be here with you this morning. Um, what Dawn said in the prayer, I think, is true, that the worship in the Blackstone Valley is bigger than any one church. And it's good for uh, me to have the opportunity to be with you as brothers and sisters, not only in Christ's church, but as part of the Christian Reformed Church here in this community. And uh, I really appreciate having Pastor Matthew as a colleague. I appreciate... Um, our partnership as churches in the kingdom that God is building here and around the world, and I'm glad to be a part of your worship here this morning, uh, both in person and uh, with those who are worshiping online as well. I don't know if you've ever had it where you take out a puzzle, you know, one of those big, whatever it is, 500,000-piece puzzles, and you start to put it on the, paper, on, the, on the table and put it together, and you look at the box and you think, how in the world are all of these pieces supposed to make that picture? And you start scratching your head and you think, well, maybe they're really all the pieces, you know, like you know that the pieces are there, right? But, but you start wondering after you're about 200 pieces in and there's still no picture forming. And I think that for me and, and probably for, for many of us at different times that the Christian faith and the Easter story feel a little bit like that. We, we know that all the pieces are there. We know that the tomb is empty, that Christ is risen, but we kind of scratch our heads and we say to ourselves, what does it mean? What difference does it make? And I think that in some ways, now there's powerful words obviously all through Scripture, but, but some of the most amazing words in Scripture are the words that we just read a few minutes ago from verse 31. Then their eyes were opened. Or maybe we could put it a different way and say, then they got it. Suddenly it clicked for them and they understood what this was all about. And as we look at this passage today, I think we'll see a double opening. The opening of the scriptures and the opening of these disciples' eyes. And in the process, ask ourselves this question. What does it take for us to understand this message? What are we supposed to do with the truth of the Easter story? Now, in today's world, it's probably good for us just to go over the basic details of the Easter story again, because there's a lot of people in our world for whom the Easter story is not a familiar one. 
I was reminded of this a couple of years ago. There was a coffee shop that I, I used to go to periodically to, uh, to, to work on, on my sermons or you know, other things during the week. And, and the, the coffee shop was owned by somebody who had immigrated from China about 30, 35 years before. And he um, you know, was familiar with American culture but hadn't grown up certainly with the Christian faith as a, real, a, a regular part of his story. And so he knew that I was a pastor. And one day he asked me, so can you tell me about the Easter Bunny? And can you tell me what that has to do with what you're going to talk about on, on Easter Sunday? And he didn't mean it as a, a, an insult or anything like that. He was genuinely confused. He was genuinely curious to know what this, you know, this bunny and these eggs had to do with what we were talking about in church. And it was a good reminder for me that the Easter story, for a lot of people, may not be that familiar. And so the disciples in our text this morning give us some of the details of this Easter story, right? Jesus of Nazareth was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed. He lived 2,000 years ago. For many of his generation, Jesus is the one that they thought was going to deliver and redeem Israel, just as God had delivered the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt through the leadership of Moses so many years before, so also they hoped that Jesus would do that in their own day. But something different had happened. Jesus had been arrested by Jewish leaders and handed over to the Roman authorities and put to death on a cross. It wasn't what people expected. It wasn't what they were hoping for. But three days later, his followers went to the tomb and found it empty. They were told by angels that he was alive. And though many would report seeing him, these two disciples didn't know of that, at least not yet. They simply didn't understand. The pieces were all there, but they couldn't figure out how the picture was going to come into focus. And I hear that story, and, and again, I, I think in many ways, their, their story is not that much different than yours or mine this morning. Now, it's not released from the Roman government that any of us are looking for this morning. At least, I don't think so. Otherwise, we're living in the past. But many of us are here this morning. I think all of us are here this morning in some ways because we want Jesus. We expect Jesus to do something for us. Maybe we know the facts of life and death and the empty tomb. But we, and we hoped that he would redeem us, that he would release us from whatever it is that we feel is holding us down. Maybe it's our bad attitude at work. Maybe it's our, our awkward relationships with our colleagues at work or at school. Maybe what we're looking for is for somebody to release us from a sense of worthlessness, for a sense of, of failure, disappointment over the things that haven't gone the way that we wanted to in life. We want Jesus to give us friendships. We want Jesus to give us success. Like Cleopas and his companion, we have not seen Jesus visually. And there are times in our lives, and even in the Easter season, where we walk along and we scratch our heads and we try to make sense of it all and say, what do all of these details mean? What are we supposed to do with them? What does the empty tomb have to do with my third-hour computer class? How does a vision of angels announcing that Jesus is alive affect my relationship with the people that I see every day? And we know that the two have to somehow go together because that's what we've been told our whole lives. That's what the Christian faith proclaims. And yet we don't understand. We don't see enough of the picture yet to have it make sense. Or it could be that you're here this morning and you're not thinking about those things at all. Maybe we need an interruption. Sometimes we do in order to kind of push us along, to, to interrupt our train of thought and to say, what are you discussing together as you go along the road? Just like Jesus does unexpectedly for these two disciples that day. What are you discussing as you walk along? And again, sometimes it's helpful for us just to stop and have to explain the details of our faith, the details of the resurrection story. It's quite an experience, if you haven't done it in a while, to try to explain what you believe about Easter to somebody who doesn't share your faith. I was reminded of that when I talked with my friend in the coffee shop. He was a Buddhist background. And trying to explain that Easter was not about a bunny and, rab and, and rabbits and eggs and, and, and peeps and things like that, but it was about a dead man named Jesus that was alive. In some ways, it sounds like a fairy tale, doesn't it, when you put it that way? Only that for us as Christians, we believe that this, what others might think of as a fairy tale, is true. And it's really, really important. 
And that's why I think it's important for us to continue to say to each other, as we did, I'm guessing you probably did last Sunday, the Lord is risen. He's risen indeed. We know this to be true. We remind ourselves of it. To say that Jesus is alive and that we believe that is the first part of having our eyes opened, of seeing the big picture and understanding what it means for us to be Easter people. But the interesting thing is that Jesus doesn't allow us just to stay with the story of one particular day. And so he presses those who are walking with him that day, and he says, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And I hear those words, and I think the Holy Spirit definitely had to be at work there already. Because I don't think that most of us, at least I wouldn't, really take kindly to somebody kind of bumping me as I go along the road and saying, you know that story you were just telling me, you were explaining what you were talking about? You have no idea. You have no clue. Of course, I think Jesus probably said it a little more kindly than I just did there. But again, we don't like to be wrong. We don't like to be told as human beings that we don't understand what we're talking about. And yet, these disciples, as they walked along that day, were open to Jesus them and challenging them and expanding their horizons. And Jesus begins to open up the scriptures to them. He opens up the Old Testament especially. And we see that we really can't understand Easter without understanding the rest of the Bible story. The story of the Bible is not just the history of an ancient nation with its trials and triumphs. It's a story of humanity, a story of people like you and me and their inability to understand how to have a relationship with God. Now, maybe like Cleopas and his friends, the Israelites of old also didn't get it. In some ways, they couldn't. In a way, we could say that God could not give them a mind that could understand because it was only in Jesus that the story of human sin and rebellion meeting with God's grace could make sense. We don't see it in quite the same way, in quite the full way, until we see God's grace and the punishment for sin meeting in Christ. But when we begin to walk with him, we start to see how God opens up our eyes, how his spirit opens up our eyes, to see how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that humanity has ever been looking for, everything that humanity has ever longed for in terms of a relationship with God. See, the story of the Bible is not just a bunch of ancient kings and ceremonial laws that no one cares about anymore. It's much more than that. If you grew up here at Pleasant Street or Fairlawn or some other Christian farm church, maybe you heard the story of the Bible summarized with, you know, there's varieties of, of series of words, sin, salvation, and service. Or maybe you talk about creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. What we mean when we, when we reduce the Bible to those three words, it's, we're not saying, obviously, that everything can be contained in those three words, but we're trying to give ourselves little hooks to hang the stories on, to say, this is what this is about. This story is about us recognizing where we fall short of the glory of God. And this story maybe is about how God, in his mercy, reaches out to people that are broken, people that don't have it all together, people that fail him and let him down again and again. And this story is about how God is making a new world. How God is redeeming and, and changing and reshaping all things so that rather than what having our sin and our disappointments and our rebellion show through, what shows through is the mercy and the grace and the joy of being with God. We mean when we say all of these things is that the Bible tells us who God made us to be and how we get to be human again after we sin. To take just one example, we could look at the Ten Commandments. The Bible explains what happens to our relationship with God and with each other when we worship our own desires, breaking the first commandment. The Bible tells us what happens to us when we fail to rest in the Lord and in his provision for us, breaking the fourth commandment. The Bible tells us what happens to our relationship with each other and our relationship with him when we are not careful to see that our words are always truthful and build others up, breaking the ninth commandment. Or when we cultivate a desire for things that are not ours, breaking the tenth commandment about coveting. See, sin convinces us. 
that the path to redemption, the path to release from everything that, that frustrates us about life, that path, it says, is to live in the way, live in fulfilling our desires and then ask God and others to bless what we've done. And so we live with our greed. And we want others to excuse that for us, to tell us that it's really not that big a deal, that, that we're hoarding things for ourselves. Or that we're, we're trying to build up our life at the expense of those around us, sometimes even those closest to us. The gospel instead calls us to see in the risen Christ the true path to glory. And Jesus answered, asks a really interesting and should be kind of a resting question for us here in this text. He says, didn't the Christ, didn't God's anointed one, didn't he have to suffer all these things and then enter his glory? Glory comes through suffering. Relief, redemption, comes through weakness. But there's something about us in our humanity that doesn't understand that. And it's only as we begin to have God open our eyes to the bigger story, the story of Scripture, that points forward to Jesus Christ and culminates in Jesus Christ that we begin to understand. Now again, this idea that salvation comes through weakness is not just something that we get by looking at the story of Easter. It's something that requires that the scriptures, all of the scriptures, be open to us and applied to our lives. The Bible tells us that we don't get to live by only what is comfortable or convenient or familiar, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the living God. And so we need to be seeking to understand what God says about our story, about your story and mine our human story, and then how our stories can be a part of this larger story of what God is writing in history, resulting in him raising Jesus from the dead. The resurrection is God's stamp of approval on the work of Jesus as the center of the human story. Because Jesus lives, we can see that God has the power to reverse the effects of sin and rebellion and brokenness in our lives. Because Jesus lives, we can see that humility and suffering can be used by God to bring about our release. Because Jesus lives, we can live with confidence that we will also live when we put our trust in him. The death is not the final word for those who follow Christ. And again, as we begin to see the story unfold, we understand more and more what our daily lives have to do with this empty tomb. Of course, even that is not the end of the story that we read this morning, is it? The three travelers have their walk along, and the, the scriptures opened, but, but something's still missing. They're discussing the story of the Bible, discussing sin, salvation, and service, discussing creation and fall and redemption and the new creation. In this grace, the risen Jesus has been explaining to them the salvation story, which is their story our story. But they hadn't quite put it all together yet. By now, it's growing dark, it's evening, and they've reached the the path that they're going to have to turn off to go into their village. And they linger for a few moments with this stranger. We've all done this, right? You had a good conversation, you're kind of wondering, okay, well, now it seems like it's time to wrap it up, but how do we do that? What do we say? And eventually, one of them says, well, you know, Why don't you come over and stay by us tonight, stranger? I mean, after all, it's dark out, it's cold at night in Palestine and in April or May. There are no hotels close by in in Emmaus or anywhere in the first century. And, And so Jesus accepts the invitation. And as the meal is served, something strange happens. Jesus takes the bread and now, as if he were the host rather than the guest, he begins to distribute it and give it to them. It's got echoes of the Lord's Supper, but it's probably not intended to be simply the Lord's Supper, but just an ordinary meal. But there's something distinctive enough about the way that Jesus does this that leads these two disciples to instantly know that's Jesus with us. Maybe it was the way that that thankfulness just kind of bubbled out of him as it always had. Thanks for the Father's work and provision. 
Maybe it was that as he was distributing this bread, they understood, they saw how Jesus had allowed himself to be broken for their sins, for our sins, and then handed out for the life and the nourishment of the people around him, God's people. Whatever it was, they knew that it was Jesus. They understood, they got it. And the excitement of that discovery is enough to make them run the seven miles back to Jerusalem that same night in order to tell the rest of the disciples, it's true, Jesus is alive. And I think that even among true Christians, even among those of us who have been following Jesus, maybe it's for a short time, maybe it's for your whole entire life, but sometimes it takes a while for the weight of Easter to sink in, doesn't it? to understand how the empty tomb affects the particulars of our everyday lives. Because we can have all the facts, we can open the word together, we can begin to understand more, but the Easter story in its fullness ought to lead us toward a place where we have passion and eagerness to drop whatever we're doing and to share the good news. This is Jesus, I've seen him. I see him in my story. I see him in what's happening to me during this week. I see how his broken body and his shed blood were given for me. I see how his new life has come so that I can understand the world differently, so that the story of the scriptures is coming alive in my life, so that the Ten Commandments are no longer just things that I'm checking off a list, but they're a way of invitation that God is asking me to live for him with joy and with gladness. Easter leads us into a deeper, growing relationship with the risen Jesus who walks alongside us, sometimes even when we don't recognize it. But the Easter story also should challenge us to move beyond complacency and ignorance with our understanding and our appreciation and practice of the Christian faith. To pray that God would continually open our eyes to be able to discover how his message of hope and new life that comes in the resurrection of Jesus applies to us this week in these interactions, in our family life, in our friends at school, in our situations at work, in our, our coffee meetings. It's true, we say, and we add, and now we understand. The whole time we can see we were on the verge of getting it. Our hearts were burning within us. But now it clicks. It makes sense. And I know that Jesus is alive. I don't know where all of you here this morning here in person, watching online, where you're at in your walk with the risen Christ. I don't know the particulars of everybody's life here. I know a few stories, but I don't know where everybody's at and the particulars of their life. And I don't know whether what you're doing here on a Sunday morning, again, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, whether this is something you're doing because you're, you're truly passionate about trying to learn more and have Christ open the scriptures to you, or this is just an every Sunday routine for you. But I do know that Christ is risen. I know that the story of Easter is about more than bunnies and eggs and sugar-covered marshmallow chicks. I know that Jesus is with us. And I know that Jesus walks alongside us, sometimes in the moments where we're confused and we don't get it. And we're despondent and we're looking down and we're confused about where life is going to bring us and we are lamenting what could have been. And that Jesus walks with us when we struggle to put the pieces together, when we're not looking for him. And I also know that Jesus opens our eyes as we gather as his church, certainly in public worship as we open his word and we break bread together in the sacraments, but in those other church things that we do too as we interact with each other throughout the week, as we encourage each other, as we strengthen each other, as we challenge each other to have Christ open our eyes to say, this is where I'm working. He's not in the tomb. He's not just a relic of history. He is risen, just as he said, and by the grace of God, he makes himself known in the word, in the worship of his people. Their eyes were opened. They understood. And by God's grace, so can we. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, open our eyes. Open our eyes because we want to see you, Lord Jesus. 
Lord, some of us are here this morning still trying to put together the pieces of his work in our lives. And if that describes us today, help us to see him walking alongside us. And Lord, some of us are here this morning because we've seen him in the breaking of the bread. And we've seen his care unfolding in our daily lives. And if that's us, give us a passion and excitement to run and share the message that it is true he has risen just as he said. We pray these things in the name of the risen Christ. to Christ, you join us in this prayer. By the love with which you drew near to your disciples as they went to Emmaus and talked together of your passion, draw near to us and join yourself to us and give us the knowledge of yourself. Hear us, blessed Jesus. By the mercy with which at first their eyes were closed, that they should not know you, 
Be merciful to those that are slow of heart to believe. Hear Hear us, blessed Jesus. Jesus. By the compassion with which, amid the joy of your resurrection, you sought out those who were sad. Console the faint-hearted who have not yet learned to rejoice in you. Hear Hear us, blessed Jesus. By the patience with which you open to them the scriptures, open our understanding and insight. Hear us, blessed Jesus. By the fire with which you made their hearts burn within them as you talked with them by the way. Inflame with devotion every heart that is not already burning with love for you and consume with zeal those that you have kindled. Hear us, blessed Jesus. By the wisdom with which you made, as though you would have gone further, inviting them to constrain you to tarry with them, may no one depart from this place until all have received from you the blessing you are ready to give. Hear us, blessed Jesus. By the loyalty with which you went in and tarried with the disciples when the day was far spent, fulfill in every soul your promise that says, I will come to him and sup with him and he with me. Hear us, blessed Jesus. By the blessing in which you have made yourself known to the disciples in the breaking of the bread, may every act of yours be to us a revelation, opening our eyes in faith, making you more fully known to us. Hear us, blessed Jesus. By the power by which you vanished out of their sight, that their faith in the mystery of your resurrection might be increased, strengthen and confirm this faith in us. Hear us, blessed Jesus. O blessed Jesus, who, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were gathered, came and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. May no fear ever place a barrier between our souls and you, or hinder us from the peace which the world cannot give. May the peace that you give your apostles, sending them forth in your Father's name, as you yourself were sent, be also upon us and remain with us always. Amen.
Again, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be with you today, to worship with you, to open God's word together. And we at Fairlawn will continue to pray for God's blessing on our shared ministry and on your particular ministry here at Pleasant Street Church. I want to send us out today with this word of God blessing from the book of Jude. To him who is able to keep you from falling, a God who can give us a place to stand to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace.